Hey, folks. So it took me forever to edit this episode, and I do apologize for the delay. Uh, in the time that we recorded this, which was about a week and a half ago, uh, and the time that I actually finished editing, there have been a couple of major updates to a few of the things that we were talking about. Uh, we focus a lot on how Sailor Moon was a big trending phenomenon uh, on social media, specifically Twitter, after it debuted on Crave. We have since found out that Sailor Moon was actually the number four most watched program on Crave uh, during the time period of September 16th to September 22nd, which is nothing short of phenomenal, especially for a catalog title. If you have Crave, make sure you watch it, watch the whole thing, tell your friends to watch, it's all good. Also, it's been confirmed that something substantial actually has come of the deal between Viz and Funimation. Funimation is going to be streaming Ranma 1 half uh, starting October 20th. That will mark the first time the series has been available to stream in Canada. Okay, well, let's jump into the episode. Canada. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. Uh, this, of course, uh, is a podcast uh, about the many connections between anime and Canadian media. Episodes are released on a monthly basis, and a, quite a bit of news has built up recently, so we're doing a little bit of a, a news roundup in this episode. And joining me once again is Carl Olson. Carl, can you give a quick intro to yourself, to the two people who don't know who you are? Hi, I'm, I'm Carl Olson. I am a... Uh... Very former animation news person for a site whose name has changed repeatedly, and I make nerd rap about anime, which is apparently super popular now, except for mine. So <laughs> it'd be like that. It's okay. We love you, Carl. Um, and also joining us for the first time is Kyle. Uh, Kyle, uh, would you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, sure. Uh, hello, everybody. My name's Kyle Foster. And I've been around on the internet for decades now, and uh, I'm very, very keen to talk about anime in Canada and just what being a Canadian anime fan means and my experiences with it and all of that in between. Yeah. And you uh, you go by Chibi, Chibi UFO on yep. Twitter, and uh, you, yes, you you are quite the the advocate of Chibis uh, from what yes, I've I seen am. as well. You'll see me uh, raving about chibis, going crazy about chibis. Uh, in fact, just the other day, I posted a video of me literally screaming at the sight of chibis on the uh, menu of the newer Turbo Graphics Mini Console. I had a <laughs> quite delightful reaction to there that. There is all sorts of lost art uh, com- <laughs> contained in uh, in something like that. Um, yes. But yeah, chibis are a silk. I agree. Yes, indeed. Probably the biggest piece of news is the one we'll start with right now. I guess in a way I'm, I've been kind of milking, milking this over the past few episodes, but it really is a big deal. Uh, you, would you agree? <laughs> yeah. It, go, it yeah. goes in the very face of the name of the podcast because it actually means something good happened with anime in Canada. <laughs> Hooray! Very much does. Uh, it's, in it's... fact, the kind of one of the events that we've been anticipating since before I uh, I launched this show uh, happened just the other week uh, with the launch of Sailor Moon on Crave. Kyle, I'm just interested. What are your thoughts on uh, this this recent major streaming platform launch? Well, this has been a very 
tough year for literally everyone. Like, literally everybody on the planet. This has just been a really bad, just sucktacular, crappy year. And honestly, all of the good things that have happened this year have just left me speechless. Like, I, I'm just like, oh, nice things can happen too. I forgot. I thought only bad things happened. So... Uh, Sailor Moon hitting Crave, I, uh, j just speechless. Like, I, I didn't know how to react. I'm like, oh, uh, huh, wow. Uh, after hearing Americans rave about getting Sailor Moon on Hulu and being jealous, being extremely jealous, and just having my little piece of cake with Sailor Moon on Tubi and all that, I thought that was nice, but it was just like, I wondered if that would ever happen for Canada, so the fact that it finally did, we finally have a slice of that, we, we finally have our own, not only a slice, but we have the, we finally have our own, you know, cake, of Sailor Moon cake, of like every single season available, and it's all dub, and it's all in, you know, glorious high definition, and it looks great, and it sounds like great, and it's just there, and yeah. it just makes me super happy, because... Yeah. As much as I love the Japanese original, I really wanted to give this new uh, Viz dub a shot, and the new cast looking looked great and sounded great from the previews I've heard, and I was excited to give everybody a chance and just hear how everybody is as their characters. So I, honestly, I'm talking right now, but I'm still kind of speechless. I, <laughs> this is I, amazing. Your your reaction, uh, I think, is carried on by uh by many many people as uh as illustrated by the the social media reaction so yeah, yeah. The, that's the part that blew my mind was the social media reaction because it's like it's one thing for this to end up on the service it's one thing for it to be pushed by the service it's a whole other thing for them that groundswell reaction back and people being seeing all of that excitement around it and not people being like uh you know, like all of it being very positive no one's like oh why is this older anime like why is that yeah. the first step everyone's just everyone's just ecstatic and maybe that's partially an issue of the times is it is yeah, it is, yeah. it's the right time to launch comfort food yeah um, and that and, and Sailor Moon is absolutely comfort comfort food but I think even I think I think even it in a regular year though I think we would have seen the same reaction I think even Probably. in a regular year people would have been like yeah this is yeah. like the you know I don't and I don't think there's many other options that they could have tapped that have the history that would have hit the same note. I don't. I mean, maybe Inuyasha, maybe a Gundam Wing, but probably still not as strongly as, as Sailor Moon for this market. I'm sorry, but I don't think anything could have hit as hard as Sailor Moon. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's such a very specific thing, but like, there's such a specific fan base for Canadian Sailor Moon fans. Like, like we're we may be a minority, but holy crap, if we are not vocal, like we are screaming our lungs out about everything Sailor Moon, like about like news of sailor moon about why we love sailor moon about you know just like why sailor moon still appeals to us like if we may be a minority but we are just we are literally just screaming our lungs out like every day about like why and how kyle i'm not i'm not sure about that because like the when you're looking like sailor moon fan base we're talking sailor moon fans from what I've uh, what I've observed, that group is kind kind of dominated by Canadians in their 30s and 40s, uh, yeah. or early 40s. That's that's the group that kind of mm. you know they're they're the ones holding down the fort for the most part. Yeah, no, uh, and they are. have been for for many years. But I think the important thing here is that, and of course, if uh, if you're not aware, what happened basically is Crave Launch dropped all Sailor Moon, all five seasons with a Viz dub including the Sailor Stars dub, which I should point out is not streaming in the U.S. Hulu actually has not added that one. 
So we uh, we got an international premiere for one of the. Um, I, I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why why Hulu chickened out. <laughs> I don't. It's not that they chickened out. They've got um they got it subbed. But they just don't have it dubbed. Uh, yeah. I, 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 my my assumption there is that uh, Viz just hasn't just wants to make more money from the the DVDs and Blu-rays before they yeah they drop that's that one probably on not unfair and uh, they they just managed to cut a deal with 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 uh, with Crave but Crave did it like they announced it like and they would with any other title about about three weeks before before it dropped it but they never like made any dedicated social media posts about it they didn't yeah. release any images about it it they was just, just casually dropped in yeah. like a newsletter for what's coming up and it's like oh sailor moon i'm like what yeah. sailor they, moon it was... yeah <laughs> you know, they they wrote a, like they wrote a little blurb on it and it got a like a little tiny bit of traction but it didn't wasn't really getting a lot of attention so i didn't expect that it was gonna blow up on on social media but and it did uh when they because when they launched it on crave um, so here's the fun, the funny thing about Crave. When we talk about, when we kind of evaluate Crave as a social, as a, uh, sorry, as a streaming service, it's kind of a service imitation of Netflix. It doesn't actually have algorithms that monitor what you watch and make recommendations based on that. Pretty much anyone who logs into Crave is going to see the same thing, apart from maybe one little bar that badly calculates things that it think you might things that you might like and i don't yeah. think there's well, like and, and and what you've just watched too. yeah it's exactly a continuation exactly. bar that's that's about as that's about as convenient as it gets in this case it uh, actually wound up being incredibly useful and it, it reveals maybe even more of a top-down curation element of, of crave that could be in its could be its advantage in a lot of ways because everyone no matter what device you were uh, signing in no matter what you have watched on crave the first thing everyone saw when they loaded up Crave Thursday night, Friday morning was this gigantic banner of yep. Sailor Moon, yep. uh, which you know was probably filling up your entire screen when you loaded it up. That is how the news got out. Uh, and man, it, it blew up. It was trending almost all day on Twitter, which I, you know, that happened with when Studio Ghibli films were announced for Netflix. I did not, did not expect that to happen for anything launching on crave like i could see something being a big deal for launching on netflix i never imagined that something launching on crave would wind up yeah. being that big of a deal in fact at one point during the day crave started trending in canada on twitter because of the sailor moon announcement think think about that for a minute crave something i don't oh, think i've ever seen uh be like a big deal on social media was trending because of sailor moon i think this is the first time I have seen people positive about having to use Crave. Usually when people talk about Crave on the internet, they're complaining about the fact that they have to use it to, to watch something streaming instead of Netflix. Uh, it's yeah. almost or instead make... of one of the other services that they pull from. It's like, why do exactly. I have to use Crave rather than the same thing that like yeah. the people I see online using HBO or Showtime exactly. or CBS or whatever yeah. in the U.S. You think like, which is kind of funny because you should say like, actually, it's great because we're getting like free services for the price of one plus now yeah, exactly. more content. But it instead, we, is, yeah. we would, yeah. instead, instead, we totally whine about it. You know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. great. <laughs> to, to, to so many people, yeah, cra exactly. Crave is the reason you're being denied HBO Max, which, yeah. you know, not kind of true but i mean yeah it's but, it's, yeah. it's not wrong but we are also getting like several things in one for crave and honestly i actually kind of like that plus yeah. like i i'm more just shocked that out of like out of all the services available in canada we got sailor moon on crave like crave has no anime whatsoever on it so like 
the idea that like, oh, here's this random, not only an anime, but one of the most popular anime of the past, like, 40 years. It's like, okay, sure, what a way to make an entrance. Yeah. Uh, y- yeah, absolutely. And the thing is that we, for all the time, uh, when people talk about, like, anime in Canada, history of anime in Canada, we always say, oh, Sailor Moon was so big. Sailor Moon was such a big deal. It was like this big cultural phenomenon. And yep. this this is one of the rare moments when you actually see that in action. Because yeah, the, the, it's quantified at this yeah. point. You can say like you to trend, you have to be doing this much traffic, and yeah. if you can not only trend the show but the service it's on, that says a lot. Yeah, because like the people who were making Sailor Moon blow up on social media, they weren't anime fans. They weren't like quote unquote Sailor Moon fans. These are just completely casual viewers, many of whom probably haven't even bothered to even seek out Sailor Moon in in twenty years. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm willing to bet that a lot of them had, hadn't even seen S and Supers when they were on I, YTV. I, I, I would bet that many of them have not watched anime since the, you know, they, they watched it as a child and then like, it, it yeah, most exactly. maybe had like a teenage phase and then like, whatever. So again, this gets back into it's great that it was presented in the way it was, is that it made sure that those casual audiences, those people who, for whom it is nostalgia, not like core to, core to the identity in the same way. Mm-hmm found it because it's like it's been here it's been available but who the hell is going to dig on on tubby and and especially that's not an audience that watched subs this is facts yeah and that that's the hilarious thing is that it blew up and was this huge deal almost all day it was it was it, i think it would have trended higher if it hadn't been for uh ruth bader ginsburg's death later in the day which uh had of course unfortunately has larger implications than just keeping sailor moon from trending in canada but we don't have to get into that today um <laughs> It just illustrates so much of what we've been talking about so much over the years, and it really also shows just how much casual interest in anime in Canada is being untapped. That's a potential audience right there. It doesn't, and it doesn't end with Sailor Moon. There are other shows you can throw on and get that audience with. And the key is that you don't, you don't target it at anime fans. You don't try to reach out to anime fans. You gotta, if you have a strategy, with shows that have this major mainstream appeal with people who just can't find it on mainstream services and don't think to look in places like Tubi, because let's face it, only only nerds use Tubi. It's, it is a, yep. Tubi is a service for nerds. Like, most of their content is, is for, ner- is for even, nerds. Even anime nerds don't know to use Tubi. Like, oh, yeah, I have yeah. pointed out to people who are, like, doing, like, rewatches and they have a bad disc. It's like, hey, that old show's also on Tubi. And they're like, for real? And you're like, yeah, for real. And they're always shocked. So it's like, even the people who you think would be most media savvy about this stuff aren't. So, like, that's it's just such an also-ran. I don't know why Fox bought it. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it, it's certainly giving giving you a new uh, a new chance to uh, um, sing the virtues of uh, Earth Maiden Arjuna for sure because you can see all that the, 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 the virtues. <laughs> um, Use this term loosely here. Yeah, the nice soundtrack. That's about yeah. it. <laughs> um, aged like milk. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it, it it just shows that it's it's not enough to just for content to be available in Canada because that seems to be that, that's kind of the bar that anime distributors shoot for in these situations where something's available in the US and they got to make an extra effort to make it available up here they're like oh as long as you as long as it's available it's fine but it's ignoring the fact that there's this huge audience that's going to just just going to miss it and it's an audience that you know, if you if you reach them in the right way, they're gonna watch anime on streaming services and and like, 
you know, this is a 200 episode show. I'm betting a lot of people are, are just going to dive in and start binging. And also one, if you, you know, I, I was tracking the social media activity of this pretty closely. Uh, and there were, you know, if you just search Sailor Moon Crave on Twitter, there have been people posting up until just a few days ago, and you still see stuff now and again. Uh, one thing that's happening a lot, uh, as I mentioned in the last episode, is that people are watching the show with their kids and posting it on social media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I love that. Yeah, that's, it's, it's, that's absolutely wonderful. It's so great. Um, well, and you gotta imagine again, this is a, this is a moment where they may have tapped out a lot of their other children's entertainment, so this is incredibly welcome right now, when it's all like, oh my god, we have, we have drained all of our other stuff, and I yeah. can't watch Peppa Pig again, I will. Not to mention, it's like, <laughs> probably one in one of the most accessible forms of media ever, in an English dub. Like, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, like, I've, I've had friends who it's all like, oh, my kid's getting into this, like, can you recommend an anime? I'm like, well, how cool is your six-year-old with reading? Because it's like, you know, it's all yeah. like, there's stuff that I know might be a perfect uh thematic fit, but it's like, eh, I need a dub for it, or that dub is tremendously difficult to, like, run down at this point. Yeah. Um, so to just have this there on a service that is mainstream for the, you know, for Canada, um, it just checks a lot of boxes and it goes into this idea that it's like, it's super cool that there are specialty services, um, for anime. Like there's a lot of value in that, especially since, uh, dude, people, there's not, stores don't exist anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. but, uh, the counterpoint to that is then, um, some of this stuff needs to be in, 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 in more visible places, um, and that's um, and if that's not going to be on broadcast or on linear television in any other shape or form, then that's going to be on the major streaming services in a given in a given country. And while that's happened somewhat, obviously, with anime on Hulu, um, yeah, this is the first time we've seen it reflected here in Canada in a way that matters. Yeah, and um, the thing is that much so much is said about Netflix as a way of like exposing people to anime. And I hear stories a lot of people saying that, you know, they have their friends asking them what anime they, they recommend checking out on Netflix. Um, but the thing is that I am starting to question how good Netflix itself is at actually exposing anime to people who wouldn't otherwise check it out. Because, like, the other day, I uh, I signed into my dad's Netflix login. Because, well, I, I mean, I pay for it. If he doesn't like it, he can pay for his own. Um, and I, I noticed it's like he had, you know, Netflix has all these alg- algorithms that try to predict what you're most likely to click on and what, what you're most likely to look at. Um, and the way his stuff was laid out, you wouldn't even know that Netflix had anime or that Netflix on, or anime on Netflix was even a thing. I had to scroll like for a couple of minutes before I found anything. And it was like just under new releases. And, yeah. um, and like the, I mean, the actual new releases, not the trending, like the mm-hmm. actual new release bar, which they bury down quite low because mm-hmm. they, uh, they, they, that's not how they want to get you. They don't want you to, to focus on what's actually new on Netflix. Well, um, and it's also one of those things where it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If they put the new releases thing up there, that's going to introduce maybe interesting, uh, signal into their, into their machine learning and their algorithms such that, uh, you may find out some weird connections that don't necessarily apply to everybody. And rather than lean into that discovery possibility, they're like, that's outlier data that we don't want to have to deal with in the training and that we'd probably end up cleaning out of the training data for this. So we'll bury that and then just focus on the suggestions. 
not realizing that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. This is how people fall down YouTube holes. This is how you train a neural network to hallucinate dogs into images. It's it's a feedback <laughs> loop, and it's stupid. Like, yeah. I work in ML. I get to say that. <laughs> it's my damn job. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, like like I said previously, this is this is a case where what's usually seen as a deficiency in Crave might actually be something really good, especially if... There is an incredible level of value in saying uh, this is something that we have a reasonable bet based on information outside of ourselves, therefore not inside of the machine learning context, the AI context. We know from outside just research that odds are a huge bunch of people have seen this, and if we just throw it in front of everyone, we're going to get a shit ton of engagement. Um, there is that aspect of you don't have to have the computers drive everything, especially here's the other thing. Crave is dealing with, you know, if every Canadian eventually ends up with Crave, that's still only 40 million people. That's nothing compared to like Netflix's ridiculous scale. So it's like, I get it. Netflix operates internationally. I mean, at the very least, you'd end up at each country probably dropping different things in front of people just because of your licensing or this or that and so on. Crave doesn't have that problem. And in fact, that it is a problem that they're trying to solve through machine learning. Crave can get can say like we know what Canada wants, we know what Canada has liked in the past, we know what people grew up on. Um, we can throw Sailor Moon in front of everybody, and hopefully that also makes them realize it's like we could throw Inuyasha in front of everybody, we could throw Dragon Ball in front of everybody, and odds are people are gonna be like, "What really?" And they'll just be happy. They'll just be fucking happy that this thing that uh, maybe they weren't even sure they want to be, but it was bundled with their cable subscription, is giving them. Again, those slices of nostalgia, and you can then use that to then eventually say like, oh, well, now we've got a bit of a library, and then you can then you can start saying like, maybe we need to like cut some deals for something a little bit uh, deeper cut, and maybe that's where out you know that kind of fancier stuff can come come in. But for right now, they they have it so much easier than Netflix, and they should lean into that. <laughs> Absolutely, I mean, and also like with with the whole package with uh, with cable thing. Um, I mean, I think that's gotten them like a few million subscribers. Uh, I, yeah. I could be wrong on that. I didn't, I didn't double check before, um, recording this show. So, so correct me if I'm, uh, I could be wrong on that. I'll double check later and maybe, maybe edit this. But I mean, mm-hmm. if, if, if Crave has like three or four million subscribers, that's 10% of the Canadian population. Yeah. That's, that's pretty like, good. I mean, yeah, no, like that's like, that's a great place to be. It's sustainable so long as they can throw people interesting stuff. And like I said, I think there's an aspect of, you know, they've got half of it solved by virtue of being a clearinghouse. And there's always that possibility that that rug gets pulled out from underneath them. So by doing things like direct acquisition of uh, particularly legacy titles um, that are near and de- dear to the uh, the national heart of Xers and millennials, um, that's a that's just light work. That's an easy win. Um and it's one that I think is very replicable. There's a lot of this content available, and currently it's it's buried here or there or wherever. When in fact it's a like, it's like so. For example, Metabots just turned up on Retro Crush, and that's cool, but that's not getting it to the people who yeah. probably grew up on Metabots. Metabots, by would and be large, a perfect except for thing the obsessive. <laughs> yeah, no, it's Canadian. Yeah, no, it's like like Nelvana Gang, right? Like yeah. let's 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 do this. I mean, if you, I mean. Hey, you want to you want to follow you want to follow up Sailor Moon? You're like, I, I we don't want to stray from this too much. It's like, well, then just put up the just put up the original Double Card Captor Sakura. You're like, 
I mean, it'd be, it'd be work. You'd have to track down that dub. I'm not sure who's got it, but... And it's a garbage dub. Oh, it's terrible. But, like, you know, yep. the, like again, from the nostalgia play aspect, and again, you may be able to put up the new stuff and have people be happy. Like, granted, that's up... Granted, there's something that's on Netflix. But, again, if you, if you are an anime fan, you saw it suggested to you on Netflix. If you had children, you did not necessarily see that suggested to you on Netflix. And I know this because I have friends with children. They're like, my kids get into magic stuff and I don't want them on any of that Harry Potter shit. I'm like, I got you. I understand why. <laughs> and I'm like, did you know yep. that Cardcaptor Sakura is on Netflix? And they're like, I had no clue. And they're sitting there watching anime with their children and this still isn't surfacing. So there's yeah. clearly gaps in the machine learning. There's, there's blind spots in the weights there, which can be cured through curation but you got to take that initiative. Crave has that built in. <laughs> and there's another that's another thing great thing about Crave. They've it Sailor Moon is just listed outright as a chill, as for kids too. Cuz it's what it's true. It's yeah. true. And and it's that's good. Like don't where's the damn why? Beat around the bush. There's no reason to beat to beat around the bush with that. Um, I would say anything exactly. that anything that ran in Jump, anything that ran in like Cookie or Nakayoshi ready just I, throw it I, I, like i don't know about fine. anything i don't know about anything in jump Carl, i think there's a I, oh I okay think a all, all right all right they're right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah two love roo sure but i mean like classic jump classic era jump is pretty pretty safe bet like that you know, it's, yeah for sure uh for sure and and i mean the thing is that you know you have by by by, by putting it there there's a multitude of ways that like parents and their kids can watch it and all sorts of viewers who otherwise wouldn't mm -hmm. you know if it, if it wasn't kind of curated and picked out in these lists they would never mm -hmm. see it uh see it pop up and mm -hmm. i mean these are people who you know they'll they'll deep dive into into do into doing into binge watching stuff on a service like this mm -hmm. they you know they, they they might wind up those people might wind up getting like crunchyroll funimation subscriptions they might start going to conventions when conventions are a thing <laughs> that can that can happen again they might start if those ever come back <laughs> yeah i mean yeah we'll see about that no there's um, there, there's, a, there's a lot of opportunities the second you make yeah. that stuff visible in a public way that's always animes booms in north america u.s and canada correlate highly with ready access to good programming period like those big pushes are always something good gets into syndication or something good is in a cable block and is not is as much as possible not dumbed down for the audience and that always results in generations of new fans and massive increases in the fandom like and so even if it's only a one in a hundred or a one in ten thing you're still still being seen by millions of people so that makes yeah. a huge difference in the number of people attending events um you know and we saw that in that transition late 90s to the early o's where you're going from like 100 people events maybe oh the big ones are like over a thousand to like you know ten thousand person events being like too small for companies to turn out to yeah. because it's like eh that's that's fan size and you're like one white universe but that that's because like there's ready access and while obviously you know deeper access is nice fast access is critical because nobody looks deep without exposure what you mentioned about just making sure the content is like not heavily localized and how that just improves the engagement or or, or sucking people in that's uh, I mean, it's kind of to the advantage that that they don't have a lot of kids content on um, on Crave, and I think that makes them a little more willing to take risks with with what I, they put in. 
Um, I mean, honestly, all of the good moments in also just original animation in like the past 30 years have usually been like, we made a good cartoon first and we really didn't care about what the audience was. Exactly, and yeah. if, you know, you, that's there with classic Nicktoons, that's there with all the, the various, you know, you can see it in the peaks and valleys of Cartoon Network's own contents. The valleys are when they're trying to dumb it down. The peaks are when they're like, kids are, kids will be fine with murder, whatever, go. <laughs> and it's, but it's true though. They can deal. <laughs> Finn loves the taste of human flesh. Bingo. Uh, <laughs> the reaction that, that was going on in social media was kind of, in terms of the localization, was was really interesting and shows just how a lot of the people getting excited about it and checking it out have not been in touch with, you know, what anime is like or the mm-hmm. fact that when you watch an anime, it's going to have the Japanese theme. A lot of people were saying... Mm-hmm. That initially, compl- I saw some people initially saying, "Oh wow, they only have the Japanese version on here," because and then after the theme song, they, then they post another, <laughs> make another post shortly after, like, "Oh wait, it's it's a new dub. This is cool." And it's because they are just mm-hmm. totally not tuned into the idea of watching a Japanese song before. Yeah, no, like I said, there's a lot of these people. You can tell it's like they watched this shit when they were seven and yeah. did not yeah, watch exactly. another anime since, and, and that's it was the fine. Deke, and it was the deep dub with the yeah. with the dubbed opening. Yeah, yeah, and like in a way, so many people just got thrown in the deep end too. It's just like here, they've just been introduced to what like kind of what anime actually is, and I well, and Sailor and, Moon and they weren't kind expecting of, that. So well, yeah, and Sailor Moon being kind of like a subversive into that because of the talent that was on it. Like it's a you know, it is, a, it, it, you know, it is based off a manga that I, th- I think it ran in Nakayoshi. I might be Nakayoshi, sure on yeah, that. yeah. Um, so, you know, like this is, this is a magazine meant for like small girls, like by and large. Um, but that, uh, the adaptation, the staff on that, you know, one, it was all, you know, Japanese mores being different to start with, but then, you know, Ikuhara is sitting here like goosing the content here. <laughs> um, so that, aspect of stuff bleeds through and yeah it, this time it's not being balderized at all it's it's right there and uh you know the audience i think i think it's great because people kind of can jump back into this realize what they had missed appreciate what they're getting now and, um i think audience have also had a chance to mature dramatically over the past 30 years in terms of expecting serialization and and, and what you get in content um you know uh, for your children as well such that like everything, everything's like, everything's ideal for something like this right now. Everything's great because the, you know, the parents have grown up on this. The parents are also like not their parents and going to like freak out over like anything that's like outside the norms. They're perfectly cool with that. Um, if they weren't, they probably wouldn't be watching Sailor Moon on Crave. So <laughs> they're not going to be happy to see it back. So it's all, it's all fantastic for introducing a new generation to this stuff. Um, uh, the right way. <laughs> it's also been interesting to s- just to see the reaction to the dub as well. I think the yeah. vast majority of people who were posting and clearly mm-hmm. weren't anime fans, they didn't. They seemed to not really care one way or another yeah. what version it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were just perfectly happy just to be able to watch Sailor Moon again. There were, of course, quite a few people, uh, you know, real minority, um, who were who were complaining about the fact that it's not the old dub. Um, wh- one of them was uh, actually the managing editor of Mobile Syrup. Uh, there were a f- uh, quite a few blue check marks um, talking about about Sailor Moon. Amanda Paris from uh, from CBC Radio Two. Uh, she oh, actually she had one of the one of the most popular tweets. And uh, Robin Doolittle from Globe and Mail was was uh, she she uh, <laughs> tweeted about it as well, and and a few others. Again, it it trended. It really did. And uh, but yeah, there there were obviously some complaints. Some people upset about that because. 
you know, for a lot of people, it was, again, Sailor Moon was like a cultural phenomenon in Canada. We cannot, like, cannot understate that. I think people have lost That's appreciation exactly for that. why I said that earlier, mentioning about, like, the Canadian Sailor Moon fans. Like, yeah. It's a minority, but, like, the people who do remember Sailor Moon will, will go on for days about it. Like, just, yeah. Yeah. like, just going on about well, it. And also, like, the broader cultural uh, awareness of it. Like, yeah. you could not have dropped a Sailor Moon reference necessarily if you were a pop act, pop rock act in the States. You get away with that in Canada for your one hit, and then when it crosses over the States, too bad. We made Sailor Moon reference. <laughs> I, exactly. I, I do wonder how many people learned about Sailor Moon from uh, from one week. That uh, would be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I, I think it, I think it's quite a few. Um, but I, uh, I've never tested that theory. But also, I think as many people who were complaining about the, the dub, I think a lot of people were very positive about it as well. And I, like I said, it came at the perfect time. Like yeah. we're not, we're not, we're, like we don't like this is a, this is an this is an era to be picky. <laughs> yeah. This is an era to be picky right now. It was interesting to watch. Crave react because I think they could. It was very obvious that their social media people could tell it was trending because they didn't make any dedicated social media posts about it. But suddenly they po- social media posts popped up uh, as it was starting to gain traction. They're and, probably like, "Why is there all this load suddenly on the service? Why are we trending?" <laughs> Most importantly, maybe they put out a push notification from the app partway through the day. That uh, was smart. Yeah. They're just like, oh, people are already talking about this. Let's, let's, let's give this one more. Let, again. And that's excellent use of, you know, this is, this is something Crave gets to get away with it. Like is probably harder for a Netflix. Like if yeah. Netflix has something doing in run region, well, we're going to do push notifications for just people in this region. Like, yada, yada. No, Crave can just be like, has, has, you know, it's an order of magnitude smaller. Great. There's a lot of agility in that. And there, it's, like, that is fantastic news to see them leveraging it because so much of Canadian media feels like people are asleep, asleep at the wheel. And that was not an asleep at the wheel move. Nope. They're clearly <laughs> responsive and doing shit. Yeah. And I wish we had so much more of that. It would make a world Same. of difference in these moments because that's how you build momentum. Like, part of the reason why the States has been so lucky is the people who push anime there, far from being asleep at the wheel, are working at points out of just pure love for it and not getting paid properly for it, which isn't healthy or sustainable, but it's the difference between the markets uh, in a serious yeah. way. So seeing Crave not fumble is a great sign for future things, because if they're willing to do that, they've got to already been thinking like, well, how do we, where's our another one? Where's our next one? Because Here's I, I think the I think the only I think the I think my only you know I guess transitioning that I think my only question there is is like is this something where there's this huge burst and then it immediately sort of disappears into the background and they say like well if it's not on our front page people aren't paying attention to it maybe you know like if they if this works hopefully people are keep coming back to it maybe yeah. there isn't always a social media buzz but they're seeing engagement on the platform if people are watching all 200 episodes of it repeatedly they're going to take a look at that like. We could put more, more of this, more, more stuff in this lane here really quick. We can push it to the same way. Now that we've seen who watches it, maybe we don't need to push it to everybody, but we can certainly push it to everyone who cared about that, um, without too much risk. I think they should just oh. keep pushing it to everybody. That's, that's I think, my, I, th- I, I, I think a lot, I think a lot of their next moves are worth everybody. I think yeah. anything maybe in a specific lane might be worth focusing. Um, if there's any sort of costs associated with this, okay, it might be worth saying it's like, hey, if we if they started getting like cure, pretty cure series dubs, 
I'd focus on the Sailor Moon audience for that just because you want to see if that connects through to that audience specifically. Very wishful thinking there, Carl. Oh, incredibly right. wishful thinking. No, I mean, I think awesome. the most, I, if they, I think, if they got I think, the, the Futari look pretty cured up, that would be great, but I don't, like, something like that I don't think is even available. That, that, is that is some incredible, that's, but. that's some <laughs> Mike Tool Lost Media shit, I'm sure. Um, I think more practically, it's like, their, ne- their next step has probably got to be, um, I would assume probably either an Inuyasha or a Dragon Ball, you know, when it's something more shown in something more, more broad. So, something that's big, something that was on Canadian TV, something that is not fully available streaming right now in Canada. Well, I, whether whether well, we're missing the dub or we're missing, well, uh, and it's, and it's not on a real, you know, like if even if it's duplicating, if it's not on a if it's not on a mainstream service, it's not getting to the broader audience. Um, like I, you know, I, I think about Wing specifically because like I was watching television the other day, I was watching global news. And their their end of the news hour stinger was the uh, Gundam test. Oh yeah, yeah. So which but they, uh, they didn't I, call it a transformer like the uh, Australian news did, right? They said transformer like, but then explained mobile suit Gundam in the oh, okay. in the bit. Okay, so it's right, like they're right. like, okay, you're probably it's sort of like you're probably thinking this is a transformer, but actually it's a Gundam. And I'm like, somebody in the newsroom knows. And when I see that, I'm like, that Someone's means there's a weeb. so there's a lot of opportunity here. Like I said, there's a lot of things that have had an impact on the Canadian market here. Um, some of them weird, like I said, some of them like weird with seemingly weird deep cuts like Metabots. But if you put that on Crave rather than, uh, or in addition to, as, as often the case, uh, retro crush, it would probably, you know, um, would it, would it trend? Not sure. Would it be a great addition to the rest of their uh, sort of lim- limited currently children's content on Crave? Absolutely. Yeah. I think all of that, all of that old stuff um, holds up. You know, like I think you throw a kid in front of that, like it's still fun. Yeah, it, it um, doesn't have to be exclusive. It just has to be no. something where it has to be visible. Ordinar- it has to be somewhere where it's not. If, even if we have it already, it's not visible to like your average viewer who's gonna yeah. latch onto it. And I think, yeah, no, it, it'd be awesome if yeah. somehow like people started to realize all of these deep cut services existed. Um, yeah, and I that, think there is, a, and honestly, great. I think there, I think that is, I think the flip side is, is like with all of the crazy stuff that has happened, like apparently Toby has seen its uh, viewership shoot through the roof during the pandemic because mm-hmm. people are like, <laughs> uh, rent or Netflix, and they're like rent. <laughs> And then, but people still want to watch and stream stuff, especially since they're, you know, stuck at home, uh, struggling to pay rent. So, like, to, to these, services, starting, these services, these services are starting out. to see, yeah, yeah, no, so these, these, well, in these seasons, what I'm saying is these services are starting to, people are starting to dig deeper, um, because of, of terrible necessity, uh, in some cases. But long, it's easier to, it's a better, it's easier and better if people dig deeper because they remember that they like a particular medium, like anime, and then they're like, oh, I wonder if there's just anime streaming, and then like, <laughs> is there anime streaming? Yeah. Um, but it's, the important thing is that unlike on Netflix, uh, people could, if, 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 if Crave gets more anime, and again, that, that is still a big if. We don't know what's gonna happen because. I think, like I said, I think it's gonna be long-term engagement. Keep watching the show. Don't just let it, don't, don't just binge it and then forget it. Show that there's long-term interest, I think, will make a big difference. Even if you binge your... it, like, make sure you watch the whole thing, you know, mm-hmm. throw it on in the background or something. It's a perfect show for throwing on in the background because, yes. honestly, yes. Sailor Moon is the kind of show you can follow even when you're not really watching it. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, it, it, you're doom scrolling 
at, uh, with everything that's going on, yeah. take the edge off, put on some Sailor Moon. Exactly. <laughs> it's perfect for that. Exactly. And, and, you know, make sure you keep spreading the word. Tell people who you might not think would be interested in watching anime. Yeah. Uh, but would, you know, someone yeah, who, mention, who, someone who mention is subscribed to Crave for yeah. Canada's Drag Race. Um, yeah, you know, me, fact, you know <laughs> mention it, mention it on the random cha- channel on your company Slack, you know, yeah. and just be like, hey, why, what'd you do this weekend? Ah, I binged some Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon? Sailor? Yeah, it's on Crave. You know Crave. Yeah, I got it with my cable. Boom. Yeah. You're helping. Exactly. <laughs> You're helping. Exactly. Just, just, just. Word of mouth, please. Don't underestimate <laughs> so you can get who more would stuff. be interested in Sailor Moon. Yeah, and it's it's really important. Every, like, obviously, the social media. Everybody grew up with it. <laughs> explosion thing. Yeah, exactly. Everyone grew up Next with it. Next time you're in a conversation about the newest episode of uh, Lovecraft Country, uh, just be like, oh, by the way, this weekend I watched some Sailor Moon it's on the on same grave. the same service where you can watch Lovecraft yep. Country. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, there's you know, all you know you're talking it. to your friends about watching Jesus and Mary and be like, you know, <laughs> you know what else I watched? Oh, they, they, I think they know. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> actually, Jesus is a huge weave. I always yeah. love those moments in that show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so just you know, just spread the word to people who you think might not, uh, might yeah, not, might not sure. uh, have, have might have missed it, but I think there's a good chance that a lot of people have. I do know, and just you know, just keep, yeah, keep nudging them because Crave did it out. right. I hate to say it. The Crave actually, like, this actually, this finally clarifies how they can make this work, and they just need to run. Like, they need to just rinse and repeat on this, like, again. Because, like, we've always complained about, you know, vertical integration of media on this show, because it is a serious problem, and it still is, and always will be. But, like, the way Crave works at least shows how you can use that to the advantage of something, like promoting it's, anime and well and it's also valuable i mean it makes sense for a smaller market it's like do you really want to try and hope that multinational conglomerates are going to give canada proper attention versus um somebody who's uh you know there is some value still apparently in a uh a middleman that actually cares about the area and mm-hmm. if crave can show that they actually care and they're not just like well grab stuff up and kind of throw it up and whatever happens happens if they can follow through on the things that they grab that work and say like, we need to repeat that. Yeah. That's, that's all they need to do to like show their value to an entire nation. That's it is just, Hey, what works? Repeat it. Sailor Moon clearly so far appears to have worked. Yeah. Repeat it. Yeah. <laughs> and watch yeah. people be like, and because, especially because as that grows, the people are kind of like, I don't know if I pick up crave. I don't know. If nothing else, you'll see people, why you're going to work those, you're going to grind those walls down the more you can show that you actually care and repeat on stuff because people will be like, Netflix is a, is a Stygian nightmare, a uh, Kafka S hell world to try and find anything. <laughs> Crave just has like the good stuff and they've curated it to be the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, that, that that's an effective you can't move. find on Netflix, probably on Crave and you can probably find it pretty easily. <laughs> that probably should um, honestly be their tagline. <laughs> that yeah. shit you can't find on Netflix only on yeah. Crave. <laughs> Hey, some some streaming services basically say that up front. Um, and it, you know, it's funny because like in the earliest episodes of this podcast, we were complaining about how basically Crave wasn't launched to actually be a, a functioning Crave, uh, streaming service. They were launched basically mm-hmm. to snatch licenses away from Netflix in an attempt back in the days when it was actually plausible mm-hmm. you could maybe kill Netflix. Uh, in in a country because they they're a flanker brand that's what they were but then yeah. things have changed so much over the years they've had to actually become a competitive streaming service so well it's kind they, of they, 
everyone else also wanted to make flanker brands, but they made flanker brands for their own country because none of them actually get how to play Netflix's game, which is you do everything everywhere all at once and you keep it. Every other media company in the old line seems to still be like, well, we'll license this for a fast bag um, because that gets us in the black on this. And that's all they care about was that quarterly profit. Whereas Netflix is like, we will just throw money at the problem. Uh, all the way around, whether that's content acquisition, whether that's talent acquisition, both in terms of content uh, creation and in terms of the service itself. Like Netflix, when they pay, like part of the reason why Netflix is included in the fang list of companies of in, in, in tech um, is because if you get hired on at Netflix, they just say like, what is the most people get paid for doing your job? Here is that much money. There's no negotiation. It's like, if the most that people get paid making a website is $300,000 a year, here's 300,000 US a year. They don't mess around. And that is completely in opposition to how old line media works. And it's not how Crave has to work, but that just means Crave has to do what uh, media middlemen licensing stuff from other countries countries need to do, which is curate stuff so that you're worth more than piracy. Basically, you got to make it worth it and, and worth uh, wor- worth more more appealing than trying to go, even go gray market by saying "f this." I'm going to get a VPN and then I get these services through that. No, all they need to do is, like I said, follow through on that curation and that. Curation is everything. Curation is why Adult Swim works. Curation is why Toonami works, right? Yeah, it's a it's and, a proven model. And uh, you know, and Toonami, Adult Swim, the the whole reason they even have anime is because there's just two or three people there who have pulled their weight around to keep it on the air. Like, and, like and, and who have and, specifically two or three people are pretty much yeah. responsible for yeah. keeping anime on television. And at the same time, on Crave right now, Sailor Moon is under the stat the staff recommendations. So. Yeah. There's, nice. you know, there's, there's, there's someone there uh, uh, who, who says this, who's, who's, who's co-signing it. And that's all it yeah. takes is people who are, who are driven in that way, uh, being enabled. And that can be the difference between making no money and uh, kind of just doubling down on the same vanilla stuff versus making lots of money by being cool and experimental and innovative. And that's yeah. like, you know, if anything, Canada should feel a little bit more empowered to this because the stakes aren't. 340 million people it's 40 million people so yeah. it's a little bit more breathing room in that because you can be like well you know we could try something different somebody's already there's a whole market to the south of us already covering the baseline let's do something let's, let's bring it up a level and crave is very well positioned for that in retrospect yeah. and it's good to see them start into that finally yeah and just to just to tie into what you were you were you were kind of alluding to there and also to give a little context in case anyone is not fully familiar with the whole situation with Sailor Moon. For years, Sailor Moon was, of course, licensed by Viz Media back in 2014. For many mm-hmm. years, it was a Hulu exclusive. Uh, Hulu, yep. of course, notorious US-only service that is not available in Canada. Viz, notorious for licensing things exclusively to Hulu. And as we're, as we're starting to learn, when Hulu nails something down, uh, they... They nail, they can really nail down those rights hard. Um, of course, we, uh, one of the big news stories, at least for nerds, in the last couple of weeks was, was Venture Brothers, um, apparently mm-hmm. canceled. So, uh, sort of. Um, what's, there, there have been some, <laughs> there, there have been some, uh, insinuations that what's actually happening is that the show's kind of in limbo because Adult Swim is trying to break their streaming contact or straight break their streaming contract with Hulu for Venture Brothers. 
and the only way that they can do that is to basically kill the show and then somehow start it over uh, so that you, they can you, stream I, it on I, I, HBO I, I, Max. Yeah, there's probably it's probably one of those weird things where it's all like you've got to do the you've got to do the Aqua Teen Hunger Force thing where it's like we have finished the order for this show. This show is done. This identical show with a slightly different name. <laughs> That's what they tried to do with Mr. Pickles. That's why Mr. Pickles became uh, Mama Named Me Sheriff uh, because mm-hmm. they were hoping that doing that would break their contract with Hulu and make it make make it so that they could continue to stream it on HBO Max in the States instead. Yeah. But it failed. So now they just rebranded that show for nothing, which is um hilarious. Yeah, and because I don't know. And that gets to be the problem is is like Hulu was a fine I think everybody's beginning to want to untangle from Hulu because Hulu was fine when it was a, a consortium thing. Um, now that it is just a Disney thing everyone wants out, especially Time Warner, because they've got yeah. this whole service they're trying to launch, and to the extent to which they're not um, you know, trying, you know, the extent to which that's not, uh, the extent to which stuff is not going straight into HBO Max, there's still an aspect of it could go into other, there's a dozen other pipelines they, they could stuff content into that's not owned by Disney. Yeah. So well, that's the thing. There's still, I mean, they're not, they're, they're Disney owned, but they're still going to kind of have that consortium feel until the, uh, the other contracts. The con- now. Yeah, no, but yeah, even no. Then, I mean, Hulu's going to keep their, it, it seems that they're intent on keeping their claws. In some things, and those things, I think, uh, do include anime. So, of course, Viz uh, had a deal with Hulu on, on a number of titles. Some big ones. For the longest time, they like Hulu was the only company that Viz seemed to want to deal with. And it's, you know, it's, you know, we, we this is one of the first things we talked about on the show when we had Lance on um, back in like episode four was how it, it all just comes down to the ad rates. They mm-hmm. get a cut of the ad money uh, on and Hulu. Has, and, and Hulu has better ad sales, ad, uh, you know, can, can sell a better ad buy than pretty yeah. much anyone else because they were Hulu at the time. They're, of course, they're going to have more lucrative ads than a niche service like yeah. Crunchyroll or RetroCrush or whatever. Like, I mean, they didn't exist back then, but the point still stands. All of these other services that also do ad-supported stuff are not getting Hulu's ad rates. Yeah. This is not just simply not how it is because they're not getting the same level of exposure and they're not getting the same level of engagement. So and that's how so, that works. <laughs> but uh, recently, uh, it has been announced that Viz is apparently teaming up with Funimation in a uh, supposedly big deal to get their content on Funimation. I'm curious, how do you guys think this is going to end up based on precedent? I'm actually here but i'm actually kind of excited for it uh i'm interested in seeing more viz's anime accessible through other streaming means uh the fact that there's stuff like uh you know there's just just like new viz titles that's on funimation uh the funimation streaming services that made me very excited but there's stuff i can finally catch up on there's dubs i can finally hear that i'm really eager to check out i don't know i think it's it's very and the weird thing is, is like, so Viz is still technically doing home video distribution through Warner, right? Uh, I think, yeah, that last anyone heard, yeah, last anyone heard, that seems to be the case. That's been quite. So a, I wonder if this is just them sort of di- trying to diversify their their uh, options here, um, knowing that Hulu may eventually. I mean, the other thing is, is with Hulu being a Disney co- concern. Um, the, the extent they, they may not feel necessarily that um, while they may sit on anime licenses, they may not feel that that will ultimately be a long, a good long-term partner. And certainly 
for their niche content is not a great spot for it, or it is valuable a spot as a Funimation or Crunchyroll. Well, Crunchyroll, you would theoretically be doubling down with Warner, so you want to hedge your bets, so go with Sony Funny. I don't, I don't know. I think it's good. I think anything that expands the catalogs that people tend to know to have access to is, is, is usually beneficial. Whether that translates into good long-term health for Viz, I just don't know. Like, I feel like it's so weird because, because, you know, they, they're partnered with who they're partnered with and owned by who they're owned by. Um, you know, they'll never probably go away and they'll always have really important stuff in their catalog. Yeah. And they'll, but and at they're, the, they're, but, they're never going to get the bought same, out either. Yeah. Yeah. They're, and yeah, they're never gonna, company. yeah. Not likely to get bought out, more likely to be brought home, um, more, more, more directly, if anything else. But at the same time, it just means that they, they're, they're, they're in a weird limbo compared to these other things that are able to just like, you know, Funimation can go to originals, Crunchyroll can go to originals and get that straight to an audience that's going to care. Um, no, and, and, and get the maximum possible cut. Whereas Viz is always going to be dealing with some sort of middle person here unless they eventually decide like, we're going to, we're going to roll our own stuff for this, which just seems mostly unlikely. Though, I mean, they're technically in the direct marketing thing now with the manga reading. So. It's a, certainly the scale has got some, you know, serious issues. But I mean, if they were to say, "Hey, all of these cool jump animes are now exclusive to some new Viz thing down the road," they could. But I think this may be them trying to avoid that while disentangle from like if French, if Cartoon Network's having trouble with Hulu with like Warner lawyers and shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine Viz being in any more pleasant uh, position and wanting to just be out. At this point, see the reason I bring but this how up. That, but, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead, finish out your thought. Yeah. Oh, it's just like whether that actually translates into anything positive for the average anime viewer in America or Canada. It's just too soon to say. I think okay. for the most part. I here's the thing I that just made me want to bring this up is because they they put, you know, they had their big announcement that Yashahime will be on Funimation just like it will be on Crunchyroll and of course mm-hmm. on Hulu. Um, mm-hmm. They also. You'd think this would be the perfect opportunity to, like, add all of Inuyasha, including Inuyasha the final act, so that people can get mm-hmm. caught up on that franchise before Yashikine comes out early October. But they only added 54 episodes of Inuyasha. When uh, Viz made a similar uh, big deal with Crunchyroll, it was also just the first 54 episodes of Inuyasha. When uh, they made a deal with Netflix, also only first only the first 54 episodes of Inuyasha, the only streaming service that has all of Inuyasha, all seven seasons, and final act dubbed and subbed, is Hulu. It seems that Hulu has this nailed down like really hard. They and... want all the pieces of the Shikan Jewel. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it's, I mean, I think it's the same thing with Ranma. It was kind of the same thing with Sailor Moon, but on that, on that one, they've, they've caved and gotten on, at least on some Canadian services. It's still the only place you can find Sailor Moon in the States. So it just seems that Viz's early relationship with Hulu has like really long-term implications because it seems that when Hulu licenses something, they, they really, uh, they really stake their claim on it. And well, maybe the thing where they're like, hey, we'll give you a great cut of the ad rates, but we're not doing little piddling, you know, five-year, ten-year contracts. Like, maybe, you know, they, yeah. depending on who they had in legal and who they were thinking 
you know, how they were planning, they may have said, like, at the very least, what we're going to do is sew so much stuff up that even if this service fails, we get to sit on and chart and, and, and be a rent and rent and rent seek on these these licenses. <laughs> Um, now, typically, they would, if a service would fail, they would probably I would assume that would lose in the contracts. But so far, I wouldn't. It doesn't. They they've really held on to stuff pretty tightly, so they might be ironclad. This this is why I'm thinking that like I'm hoping that they're that anime will become more of a thing on Crave because that might be our only hope to see a lot of this stuff is if like if Viz can can make new deals. But uh, I I I mean that's the that's the other side. Yeah, of, that's the other. I, yeah, go ahead. I'd really like, I was just going to say, I'd really like to see if that would be at all possible. Yeah, I'd, I'd like really to see, I hope, I mean, this is the other side of, you know, what we were talking about earlier is as much as we, we need Crave to be happy with what happened with Sailor Moon, um, I really hope Viz is happy. I hope they feel like it was a great deal for them. I, worth noting, worth noting, even as it was like really picking up on social media, or uh, neither Viz nor the uh, Sailor Moon North America account. Uh, they were dead silent. They did not acknowledge anything about Sailor Moon on Crave. Um, and it was actually similar to when Sailor Moon launched on Tubi. I think the Sailor Moon North America account, like, made one tweet about it, and that was, like, that was it. There was no traction from them at all. So, I guess when we do, when they do get stuff in Canada, like, the, whoever gets it is on their own to get the word out. In this case, it was fine, because, of course, this is gonna reach the anime fans, but, you know, Crave is gonna reach the moms with, kids that they want to show sailor moon to so you know it worked out please but... sit down to watch 200 episodes of this so i get a moment away from you during this fucking <laughs> pandemic <laughs> so i don't know i think um i think like the real nuts and bolts of this situation are starting to to appear especially when you're especially as like hulu is fundamentally changing and everyone's trying to get their toys back uh, I think yeah. we're really starting. Well, to especially, I mean, I mean, even so. if not for themselves directly, if for resale, yeah. I mean, I mean, Hulu is in that bad position of like NBC wants to make Peacock. All these other, all these other services want to have, and they, you know, they, they know, they know Disney's big enough. They don't need their toys. <laughs> yeah, but it, God, it, and su- I, it, it just sucks that like this stuff going on with all these U.S. exclusive service, services has. Like oh, international impact. Go international impact, which is that's what streaming itself is. It's something that's yeah. like everyone thinks of it as like this global thing, but it's like it's it's, it's an American thing that just has uh, I, a few tentacles here it, and there internationally. But. Yeah, I'd argue it's 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 generally balkanized because I mean yeah. you get the same thing with I mean there's certainly UK exclusive stuff. Um, you know, uh, BBC, BBC iPlayer. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, uh, and and the cha- the the all four oh, okay. uh, channel yep. four is, is pretty big. They got anime on that in the in the UK. That's actually one of the best sources for anime there right now. That is wild. CBC and Gem go, should and, take and, notes. <laughs> yeah. CBC Gem is laughing off of cleaning out the Emmys. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. I I gotta I'll give them a break there. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. So I mean, but again, proof that uh, caring about your content and putting effort into it has has value. Curation matters. Um, and whether that's in acquisition or original, it's, you know, be choosy and try. Yeah. And I think that's part of what we saw out of Crave is they, they chose wisely and they, they tried in the ways that they tried enough that it made, made a difference. Like I, I do hope it, I, or put this way, I sure hope it makes a difference. It is too soon to tell, but like, we'll know if we come back in six months on this episode and we're like, wow, we've got nothing like that's sad. Uh, I try not to go back on these episodes. They, uh, uh, they always age very weirdly. They age like, they age like Earth Maiden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So going back to what you said about Viz's uh, home video deal with Time mm-hmm. Warner, the company that mm-hmm. owns Crunchyroll, so a couple of years ago it was announced that um, Crunchyroll had inked a home video deal with uh, with Viz. Viz would distribute Crunchyroll titles. Makes perfect sense because Viz has a deal with with Time Warner, so it would make well, sense for, that, for well, that to happen, right? Well, right, they, right. Well, at the point at the point at which at the point at which that happens, the deal hadn't gone through. There was talks uh, okay. between the two companies, but there it was still technically that's AT and T making a deal with Viz, that's then also deal with Warner. Warner being something AT and T wants to buy. It's weird, but at all you're like, all right, I yeah. can see how this eventually sews together. <laughs> yeah, but. Nothing came of that deal at all. I don't think they released a single title. And uh, Crunchyroll announced recently that they have uh, they have established a home video distribution deal with Sentai Filmworks. Would anyone like to explain why this is terrible? <laughs> well, Sentai's distribution up here is kind of mid. <laughs> mid. <laughs> I garbage is a better term. When uh, I was being polite and cool. <laughs> I don't actually have that much of an experience, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I've only gotten back into getting to physical media in over like the past year, so I don't exactly have one. You, I think well, you, you have, you have a fresh. Uh, I mean, if you look at the titles, I'm sure you have a fresh perspective. But uh, Sentai, compared to say Funimation or Sony or, uh, you know, of course, G Kids actually probably has the best distribution right now. But Sentai doesn't really have a a third-party distributor or a or a dist- distribution arm that they work with to get titles in Canada. You're not going to find any Sentai titles in stores like Sunrise Records. Definitely not in like Walmart's or uh, Best yeah. Buy's or the other stores where. Well, I mean, Sunri- that, Sun, Sun, Sunrise would be your floor. You, Sunrise, yeah. Sunrise, and niche retailers like your. Uh, like uh, you know, like Sakura Media in uh, Vancouver, you'd expect those. Oh, that's expect, your minimum. Carl, that's your bad, minimum. Bad news. Uh, Sakura Media actually has dropped physical media now. Oh my lord. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Shit. Yeah. They, uh, yikes. Yeah. Well, I I wonder if that's I wonder if that's in part because it's a pain in the neck for small retailers to get their hands on things from certain companies. L- licensing <laughs> uh, home video in, in British Columbia is uh, is a bit of a pain in the ass. I think that's mm-hmm. the the reason. But yeah, and worst of all, uh, Sentai work, Sentai stuff on Amazon.ca. N- not only uh, usually ludicrously marked up with import fees because again they're not they don't have an actual distributor. Some of it's just not available at all. Mm-hmm. Here, uh, I'm just gonna bring it up right now. Oh, they finally okay. They finally got a listing for Kasei-san and Morning Glories. Oh, but it's a, I think it's a third-party reseller. So most of the Sentai stuff you find on uh, on Amazon. A lot of it's not even going to be listed on release day, and then when it does get listed, it's through some kind of third-party seller. Sometimes they can be okay. Sometimes you get a decent price and the shipping's not too high. But Amazon itself doesn't stock it. So Crunchyroll, if the... I, I, Crunchyroll has some major titles that people have been waiting for for, for quite a long time. Well, so... they, ha- they have their own originals. Yeah, like I mean, that's exactly. the big thing. They have, that... Yeah, they have their own original titles that they that they probably are going to be pushing at the forefront, and that stuff's not going to get into any stores in Canada or the largest online retailer in Canada, and that's kind of it's not good. Uh, Sentai has their own store, of course, uh, that you can you can buy online, and they do. I will say this about the Sentai store: you get free shipping for orders over two hundred dollars. 
Uh, which is, it's better than Reich stuff, which is 250. You know, $250 US right now, it's like 400 bucks Canadian. You gotta, you gotta gotta drop 400 bucks to make a Reich stuff order. And the thing is, and the thing is, that, that's a, that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot to pick up. It is a lot of stuff. Uh, even if, even if you're buying Anaplex box. Oh, God. Um, yep. But also, uh, unlike Reich stuff, Sentai does not cover duties on their end. So when you get, if you make an order with the Sentai store, if it arrives, it's going to be like ordering something from Right Stuff 15 years ago, where you get slapped. You have to pay duties when the package arrives at your home. That's Stone Age stuff, right there, as far as online retailers go. So, I mean, they obviously they have to look at that, but I think Crunchyroll has made a bad move here. Obviously, it was it was kind of an obvious move because they've kind of shared titles with with High Dive and, and Sentai for for quite a while now, but. Yeah, I'm I'm a little disappointed that it worked out this way. I just just looking at some more recent uh, Sentai releases on Amazon. Uh, Seventy six dollars and twenty cents for for Bloom into You, and that's from a UK based third party seller. And that's the oh, only. Oh, if, if, if you want to cry, um, Land of the Lustrous is three hundred dollars for a third party seller. <laughs> oh my god. Oh god. And it ships from the oh. U.S. So at which point you might as well. Uh, that's three hundred Canadian. But at which point you might as well just buy it from Sentai for forty five. Now, now to be uh, fair, US. to be fair, that is for the uh, limited edition, which is no longer available new. Uh, but uh, they have a they do have the region one Blu-ray listed at a, Where is a steal at one hundred dollars and fifteen cents. So you'd still so you'd still probably rinse with just buying it from Amazon.com. Uh, you probably would, yes. Uh, I should note that at one point in one of Sentai's, like, Sentai store sales, that was going for 10 bucks US. That's like, a little over 15 bucks Canadian. <laughs> so, and, and that's the yeah, thing, even, like, Sen- even if they slap you with duties, it's gonna be like, what? It's duties on $10, shut up. <laughs> and and, and then that's the thing. Barnes and Noble in the States, they, you can get Sentai titles there. You, mm-hmm. I think all the anime distributors, you're not gonna find them all at Walmart. But you're gonna you find might find them on their online site. You may not find them physically. Yeah, yeah. But you're gonna find it at Barnes and Noble. So, you know, in term, it, it, when you're only looking at the U.S., um, you know, there might be a little bit of strategy with that move with Sentai. But it shows that those, their, uh, their planning for this completely falls apart as soon as you go outside of the U.S., uh, which goes for many things that Crunchyroll is doing, especially if you've looked at their recent um, premium tiers, uh, which basically. They try to pretend to have a third tier outside of the U.S., but they really don't. Um, if you haven't seen that, uh, their their basic tier is basically the service they provide now. They've created a secondary tier that has um, a download feature, uh, something that they've been promising for years. And any pretty much every other streaming service includes on the base subscription service, but not Crunchyroll, apparently. Uh, and then uh, for premium you get like a discount on their store and a free figure and stuff in your in, in the u.s and they have no uh no equivalent yeah to that outside. i remember trying to join that for the right stuff and i was straight up just told by sean kleckner like yeah that's not gonna actually help out much with canadian shipping i'm like oh so i basically just wasted my money and he was like yeah and i'm like oh okay then so i immediately canceled i will give some credit though for the right stuff um their uh, phone service, where you call in for customer service, is really helpful, and they have Crispin Freeman doing recorded lines. They sure do. <laughs> wow. They have, like, they have music from Evangelion play, and it's like, okay, thank you, Crispin Freeman. You're making this less stressful. For yeah, me. their 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 customer service is pretty good, but 
right stuff has basically not done anything to improve uh canadian shipping or canadian distribution or canadian outreach at all uh in like 15 years uh the, yeah. the last thing they did was introduce um or i think more like a decade uh, 10 years when they introduced uh like i mentioned covering the the duties at their end that's the last thing yeah. they've done and, and nothing else has improved since then even though you know i i would imagine that their sales from canada have probably increased but they're just they're just doing nothing they did a whole survey about it and they and even after they did that survey absolutely nothing has changed and we're just seeing that consistently with with all these home video distributors frustrating as ever i don't even know what else to say <laughs> i mean it's one of those things where we can kind of hope that i mean right now things make sense to be frozen cuz you know the world uh but we can hope that once things you know return to uh the real normal and not this bullshit new normal um hopefully there's moves that can be made if anything because there's things where it should be you know theoretically there's some businesses going out of businesses and that'll open up uh distribution or have people interested in working in something such that maybe right stuff could make a uh, canadian distribution center at some point here or I mean, acquire that's, that's one obviously but, what they have to do but they won't yeah, do it so yeah it's one of those things where it's all like at some point either right stuff gets their shit straight amazon gets their shit straight or someone fills that vacuum uh from the ground up as honestly as anime localization was essentially filled from the ground up in the united states often from fan people and small stores gradually turning into real companies um but that's a slow process and it's you know it could happen tomorrow it could happen 20 years from now so it's nice to just jab the people who could do it tomorrow as much as possible <laughs> I, I still can't believe that right stuff has the audacity to call themselves right stuff international and not even have not even <laughs> yeah. have a built-in currency converter on their how website. dare they how yeah. dare they yeah no kidding <laughs> So when you see prices, they're like, oh, this is a pretty good price. And it's like, oh, this is an American. Oh, my heart is broken. Yeah. It's annoying that ordering from the U.S. is about as convenient as ordering direct from Japan for a lot of stuff. And that's that's what that's that's the grind part is it's like if I want to get a figure and I've got a choice of getting it through, um, you know, even a Zen market versus uh right stuff it might be a rinse both in cost shipping and uh general hassle and that's wild that's wild and it just it's weird because you don't it's 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 weird to think that that's sustainable and that there isn't somebody who'd just be like oh there's there's blood in the water uh let's get let's get some money oh well not much we can do about that At uh, the, the recent Discotech Day, uh, Justin Sudeikis did, uh, was good enough to point out after he was asked that Discotech is looking into getting Canadian distribution in place because they're similar to Sentai. They don't really have um, a distribution arm that they... Uh, yeah, but they're also just oh, like... they're like, also just less is hard. Yeah. Well, also, it's like I can give Discotech a lot more leeway on that yeah. because yeah, it's same. a newer company run by a bunch of, like, fans who are scattered literally across the surface of the earth yeah. uh, out of the goodness of their hearts, for the most part. Um, you know, uh, I, it is a, it is a, it is a organization that exists because of how our modern world is, is yeah. built. Um, they have a lot more leeway in doing this and being behind the ball than Right Stuff or Sentai. Yeah. Full stop. It, I mean, still, but I, but conversely, still pointing it out that a lot, like a lot of their big recent titles aren't mm-hmm. aren't even on Amazon.ca. Unlike Sentai and Nozomi and 
you know, a few of those other companies, they are acknowledging the problem and saying they're going to. I think it's. But the problem I, I is think they it, have. Uh, I, I think they co- have to acknowledge. The, I think they have to acknowledge the problem when some of their staff lives in countries where they get a thousand percent more screwed than even Canada, specifically New Zealand. New so Zealand is the worst. Yeah. Is the worst. Yeah. The worst place. Uh, oh God. Yeah. And yet, I don't you know, even so want to think about that. Like, I don't even want to. Uh, no, just no thanks. Yeah. Shut, shut, Shout out, shout out to all the New Zealand homies who are yeah. so well on. Uh, as Elaine pointed out, our, our, yes. our friend Elaine pointed out. Our wonderful on, friend on Elaine. Day, uh, video on demand, like purchasing, just isn't really a thing for TV shows at all in New Zealand. Uh, because just the way the rights are worked out there. It's, 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 it's just not even an option, which is insane. Um, yeah. And it just, it just shows, again, how... You know, the further you go out internationally, the more, you know, the more diluted it's, all these options become. It's, it's uh, weird how many places become afterthoughts. Yeah. Even though it's like there, you look at look at every other metric and you're like, that's they could afford the same stuff if you just make it available. <laughs> um, but the the thing is that uh, discotheque is currently having a major warehousing and distribution mm-hmm. problem in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, understandably, they are trying to get that worked out before mm-hmm. looking into Canada. Um, no, and you so, got to do that. Like, yeah. again, they're at the scale where they have different, you know, like they get a lot more leeway. Yeah. Like it'd be a, huge, a hugely different thing if they were even half as centralized as a Sentai or a Nozomi. Um, that's a different, you know, it's just a different, like it's a different league of stuff. Like it, it's a miracle that the company exists in so many ways. And I appreciate that they're there doing what they're doing, covering what they're covering. Um, because there's a lot of stuff that would not happen without a company like discotech in the mix. Um, sometimes that might've been a good thing. Charge man, Ken, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love charge man. Ken. I love charge. We all love charge man. Ken. We are yeah, this is exactly. a pro charge man. Ken podcast. The ultimate yes. in family entertainment. Damn it. Yes, exactly. Seven minutes of justice in every episode. But the point is, is like that, that, that isn't going to happen at, uh, at an Ozomi or a Sentai. Um, but, but towards but towards that end, that means that they get a, a leeway that I'm not going to afford to establish companies that have existed in one form or another now for 30 years. It's just this it's, it's, it's just like, sorry, I'm going to hold a line on that. Um, you know, you can't just keep leaving money on the table and you've been told a thousand times that money is on the table because that also means that, like, you are not servicing those fans and in the lieu of servicing them. Yeah, you know, it's a good thing that, like, Utena's all up on YouTube, Nozomi, because otherwise it'd be a real pain in the neck for a lot of potential viewers to, to see, but they can't become potential buyers, uh, you know? One-sixth of that audience can't buy it. And, and even then, like, wouldn't a lot more people in Canada see Utena if it were on Crave right now? Probably. Oh, oh could you imagine if they said, from the people who worked on Sailor Moon... Yeah. Utena. Hopefully yeah. not du- hopefully not dub only though. Um <laughs> yeah. it's a shame about that dub, it does yeah. And it's a shame too because the crew and cast of that dub are from like New York and New York has actually made some pretty good anime dubs. And NYC can get NYC has like the same thing that like I think Vancouver has, which is if you give them time to do it right, firework. Yeah. If yeah. you rush them, you rush them and they just like like LA can ham their way through it hexes can kind of like they can work under that under a rush yeah and why and why in vancouver they need to be given the time to do it right 
Otherwise, there's a spin-up period, and by the time they have gotten comfortable, the show's over. <laughs> like, the dub for Caracano slash his and her circumstances is a masterpiece, and that's yeah. in New oh, yeah. York. I oh, still, yeah. no, I like, still it, love the it, fact NYAV that... NYAV does good shit. Yeah, I facts. still love the fact that with his and her circumstances, that they actually, for the live-action segments of the, the, uh, the next episode previews with the voice actors, just reading off the script they did the same thing with the english voice actors and put branching pass on the dvd so that when you watch the dub you see the english voice actors yeah exactly reading the, reading that. the next episode uh preview off of off of a script i, I love right. that there's that much effort put into it but they they didn't they they got the broadcast masters right yeah. they didn't get the they didn't get the home video masters. yeah it's too bad uh <laughs> But then we're pretty much stuck with that version because the Blu-ray is not worth licensing for Kari Kano because uh, they did not um, – they made a lot of weird choices producing the show that made uh, the Blu-ray version kind of questionable. Um, <laughs> so that's Gynax for you. Yeah, so one last thing to talk about in terms of news. Time Warner, in addition to uh, all their leveraging going into HBO Max, they, uh, they don't seem to care too much about owning Crunchyroll anymore. One of the, I think one of the most alarming pieces of news that came out, well, it was a few weeks ago now, and so much has happened since then, but they apparently had uh, tried to sell uh, Crunchyroll to Sony, who would then yeah. presumably merge them with Funimation and uh, make a virtual monopoly of anime streaming in Canada, or uh, anime streaming in North America, and um, a large part of the world because people don't realize just how many anime streaming things sony has bought over the yeah, past exactly yeah couple years like they've already and the extent to which they're already beginning to harmonize the branding on that stuff such that essentially funimation which started as a very north american centric thing will probably within the next two years effectively be just as international if not perhaps in some ways more so in certain areas than crunchyroll um, so there took, is that aspect. It of, took a while. <laughs> well, I mean, and it wasn't something that I think they sought. That was Sony deciding, like, no, we're going to do this, and we're going to buy yeah. companies in France and Australia and so on and so forth if we need to to make it happen. Um, you know, they're they're they they live they're like, we'll 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 buy the Lego pieces to put this together rather than try to like just dump money and, and, and get other people out that way. We're going to do it through Aquahire essentially and and Aqua Market. Um, and yeah, you apparently AT&T probably more than Warner itself is like, yeah, you want, would you like to own Crunchyroll for like a billion and a half? And yeah, one and Sony's a half. like, yeah, one and a half billion dollars us. And like, Sony's like, well, what about a billion? And it's like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how, how much did Sony buy Funimation for? Oh, it was way less than that, but that was for an American only player, right? Or um, well, U.S. and U.S. and U.K. and Canada. It was, I think it was only um, like a couple hundred million that they bought yeah. animation for. Yeah, no, it was it was another a genius move on Gen Fukunaga's part because he has sold his company twice and, and profited handsomely both times. Yeah, I'm not. I don't feel like praising that guy too much, but. Um, but I yeah, gotta anyway. respect the hustle, but that's it. It is yeah. a thousand percent a hustle. Like yeah, it, is, exactly. it is. It is. That is. It is like it is just pure business moves. Yeah, uh, but yeah, obviously they're ATT is asking AT and T and Time Warner are asking an obscene amount for Crunchyroll because selling I mean, them is more or, about making up their enormous debt from all this. Uh, well, all this streaming. It's about two things. Right. Either they thought like, hey, maybe if they had gotten that one and a half billion, they would have been like, sweet, quick money. And we do know that 
Warner is still doing quick money stuff. HBO Max is a US-only service, and they made quick money by selling the content that goes on that in parts to various services uh, internationally. Live, Some of the live action ended up on Crave. Uh, the Fantastic Close Enough ended up on Netflix. Uh, like, all sorts of weird different places, like the usual... North American, especially fast money licensing moves, um, as opposed to saying we will set up this service in additional regions. Um, so like, yeah, maybe this was just the biggest scale version of that I've heard. And I would not be surprised if part of it is they wanted a public price tag on it. So they specifically asked something that they knew they were not going to get, um, on the basis of being able to say, we have something that this other company said is worth this much money. So it's got to be worth this much money. Therefore, you have to extend our credit on the basis of this having this value, not this older value from when we merged, which is smart business move. But then, of course, scares the shit out of everybody, including people inside that company who had been already saying, like, oh, we're part of Warner now. We can, like, collab with Toonami. We can make these things happen. We can really make some good plans going forward. And I wonder if that's part of what spurred the the Sentai thing is is like, well, if we're not necessarily going to be with uh, Warner anyways, again, why synergize fast money now? Sentai's offering us a better cut now. I don't know. Like, it's the kind of thing that destabilizes their plans going forward, especially depending on how much they were in the loop. If they were 100% in the loop and they knew that this was either about, hey, we need this cash and we got to get rid of you, sorry. Or conversely, it's like, we're going to do this market manipulation type stuff that is not unusual, but is kind of like weird. That's a bit different, but we don't know that. I don't think we will ever find out anything about that until people have left companies in a decade. So, you know. But here's the other thing. Um, (laughs) Obviously, if the same company were to own both Crunchyroll and Funimation, which, you know, even if uh, even if AT&T doesn't sell directly to Sony, Maybe they'll sell to someone who then passes it off to Sony or merges with Sony. Yeah. It's bought by Sony. Who knows yeah. how this could play out? Um, I mean, or conversely, you... they sell to somebody and then somebody buys Sony. You could yeah. have this. You could have the scenario like, where it's all like uh, Amazon buys Crunchyroll because they want to try and do am- uh, anime again, and then they're like, "F it, we have so much cash on hand, we're going to buy Sony too." Yeah. And what's to stop them? Like, there's no laws anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> th- these things. There's always the possibility that yeah, they end up in the same portfolio. I mean, Warner has so many animation studios because something keeps ending up in the portfolio. <laughs> yeah, but here, but I mean, here's the thing. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of feel like something's gonna give on this eventually. Uh, obviously I'm, I'm looking more at the North American, um, or Canada, US situation, but mm-hmm. having, mm-hmm. you know, kind of this three and a half streaming services dedicated to anime model that we're going by right now, I'm not sure how sustainable it is with the way that we do it right now. Um, and, you know, it's it, it, weird to say because everybody ends up probably just picking one or two. Like, I, I mean, I'm sure like the super fans have subscriptions to all three that are, that are their own, not borrowed from friends. But I'm sure there's a lot of households. I mean, there's a lot of people who are probably splitting a house with a few other people and like one person's the funny person and one person's the crunchy roll person. And then uh, somebody's leftovers got to be the high dive person. And well, everybody's borrowing their parents, Netflix and Amazon Prime anyways. So that's not even in the equation. Everyone in this podcast, raise your hands if you are subscribed to Crunchyroll, Funimation, and High Dive. Uh, I'm not raising my hand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not raising my hand either. What about you, Kyle? Uh, I'm not raising my hand either. 
raising my hand. And we should be target marks for this. And yeah. honestly, it's all like, could I afford to do it? Yeah. Yeah. Do I? It, no, because also those services aren't great. Like, they're not yeah. just like, like, I mean, even like, I, I, I only really have the crunchy sub. And even then I struggle with that because sometimes that app gets updated and shit's broken on my television for like a week. And I'll post screen caps, I'll report it, et cetera, et cetera. And like eventually it just kind of settles itself out. But like I have, yeah. and like I have been more than patient. I have reformatted and reset uh, things and had to reset up all my apps on my streaming devices to like on the off chance it's on my end. And like, no, you just pushed a bad update. And the thing is, as many have said, Crunchyroll tends to be better about this than their competitors. So their, uh, their Roku update ju- was pretty bad, but they uh, they got that fixed. Uh, but that's the thing, bad. though, is, is like it's 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 hard to, it's hard to then say like I want to pay that extra money to like sub to funny as opposed to just watch it free as things are going on and and ditto high dive. It's like are you offering enough extra value in this stuff? So it's like is it sustainable to have three niche services? It should be. It's not that expensive. Um, even, you know, if you're really, you know, even if things, even if times are a bit tough, you can probably keep one of them. But I mean, that means that like high dive is always going to probably be coming up third place in that. Um, and then it's like, it's a season to season thing, whether it's Funimation or Crunchyroll is a better deal. And they're actually pretty easy to drop resub to. So if you're really going month to month on it, like you're just like, I'm going to pick up a, you know, you always can be like, I'm going to pick up a month of funny and, and go hard with the hard with the catch up. And then yeah. toss it. I mean, that's so, kind, that's kind of the more practical way to do it. And I'll, like, I have I I have Crunchyroll and High Dive right now. I'm mm-hmm. I'm thinking a drop in the High Dive once I uh you know watch through a certain number of uh number of titles. I I went in on that uh that uh that early early bird deal they had for mm-hmm. the subscription, but you know it's not it doesn't really feel worth it after a certain point might go for retro crush that might be be worth getting at well, also but i uh, was still he's still waiting also, on uh, on dear brother though so yeah no and that's dear, i mean and, i cannot wait and I, for dear brother none of yeah, us can wait no, for is, dear brother none of us can wait for dear brother that is going to be the bomb that is going to be so much fun and it's 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 annoying to see other shows even though there's some of them are good stuff like i like kobato uh, Kite's a classic. Uh, you know, these are, there's, there's other stuff that's turned up in the intro, but I'm still like, it's not what I was waiting for. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. it's not what I was waiting for. Um, I think to, I think that'll be, I think that's another question with some of this stuff is, is like, do we see more ad supported stuff as this market matures? Because it's the only way to get people to have multiple services is like more ad supported tier, uh, type stuff. Or does it simply become there are these services with the new stuff and then back catalogs just constantly shed to your ad supported stuff, which is fine when it's like Retrocush. I got to give them so much props because video quality is so consistent. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's some questions back and forth with that subtitle issue and all that. Like that's a sort of a, a different aside, but like the quality of what you're getting, especially for free is great. Um, you compare that to Tubby and it's just roulette as to like how good or bad an encode is with them. Um, I have had stuff on Tubby that looks just fine, Tubby. I have st- you know, like I, 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 on impulse. Fun to call it, them Tubby. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll tell you the uh, the en- the encodes they had for dot hack sign are pretty Tubby. They look so rough. They have so much judder, so much artifacting. The fan subs I watched back in 2002 looked better. Um, you know, bad Divix encodes from 2002 looked better than this sh- than than it's. You know, and it's not on a lot of other places. <laughs> so, um, 
And there are some things where you can, uh, like, weirdly, one of the things you can use as kind of a general gauge as to, like, how good or bad a service is doing their encodes is Blue Submarine number six, because it's on Crunchyroll, it's on Retro Crush, and it's on Tubby. And Tubby is clearly third place. It looks so much better on Retro Crush. It looks so much better on, 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 uh, Crunchyroll. I mean, that's the flip side is if, as these things shift to free services, that can be good for exposure, especially as people get more used to the idea that you have more than just Netflix and Amazon and these big title services on your streaming devices. That there, you know, as people get accustomed to the idea that there is free television that's streaming, uh, with ads. Um, but at the same time, it's all like, if what they see is garbage, it's not gonna, like, if what, if the first thing they pull up and they're like, oh, I remember watching that and it just looks like hell, they're not gonna dig. They're done. Uh, you will, you will shut them off so quickly if it just looks like shit. And it's, it's strange how, like, these services all kind of thrive with different models. We, I mean, we look at how well something like Retro Crush is doing as an ad-based service, and then you look at Crunchyroll, which basically has limited their access to their free version in Canada because they can't seem to sell ads up here. Like, even though Tubi and well, Retro Crush have no issue with that. And, I think also it looks like Tubi and Retro Crush are working with some sort of third party video ad network and they're like, you know what? That's fine. Like what we make off that is enough to make this rinse, uh, going forward. And I feel like part of the things is I feel like I think Crunchyroll isn't, is trying to do something more direct and yeah. whatever it is in the mix of stuff, you know, yes, if you are really good at it, direct ad sales are great because you're going to cut out a middleman. You're going to make more money, but that does then mean each market needs that. So you either need to be in a position where for the markets, you're not going to do that. You work with a third party and you build your platform to be flexible in that way. But that's its own cost that then has to be paid for by those ads. Or I guess you give up, which is probably fine because as we re, you know, loop back to the start, Crunchyroll is niche and it's not a broad thing. It's not something that's going to, it's preaching to the choir, which is fine. There's a lot of value in that. There's a lot of money in that. But it's not something that then makes something ad supported, you know, maybe that's not the lane for that, but maybe it doesn't have to be. I think there's probably, I think the interesting thing with Retro Crush and how certainly the, how warm the response has been on anime Twitter to it. Um, but I think it's long-term value is, is like, there's always going to be people who get into anime for a bit, fall out. And then, you know, maybe at some later point want to watch something. And if that's, hidden but in a in a crunchy roll or a funimation maybe they don't loop back to it maybe they see that it's there but they're like eh. if that's in something ideally more like a retro crush than a tubby at least until tubby pulls its socks up um that's a great spot and that can then expose them to a lot of similar stuff in the same neighborhood where it's like maybe they only watch that one thing but then they'll go back and be like oh, but there's this other stuff here and they'll get to continue to dig like um I mean, on one hand, I could say that's also something. I, on, on one hand, I think it's something that the major services could do, could surface. It's just, you know, they won't. So it's good that there's a niche player. That's why the niche player can exist because Netflix cares about getting new subscribers now, not necessarily even retaining them. Uh, Amazon is just like, this is a, a throw in on you giving us all of your sales data and view data. We really don't care beyond that. It's like, it's great that you're watching the boys, but really what we want to make sure is knowing that you watch the boys, can we sell you this panini press? Uh, it's an entirely different sort of sensibility. See, I uh, think the, the, the thing I find uh, interesting in the fact that there's such a lack of uniformity among the different, uh, the different streaming platforms, they have different business models in, in some mm -hmm. ways 
and they yeah. they do kind of they they compete based on the way they run their business as uh, almost as much as the content they have, which raises yeah. like to me raises the question that we have talked about on this show before. Th- things are a lot different in Japan, but one of the big criticisms that people have about having how people want to have all their all their content on one service is how it's like a monopoly and services will have nothing to compete on. But you have services that are they're already competing on features. They're already competing based yeah. on their business models. Well, I mean, well, I mean, anime spe- and, and, and anime, like I said, anime specifically, there's a lot of these libraries now that are turning up on multiple platforms because yeah, they're held but, by a third party. And why would you, if you're holding this as a third party and you're not going to build a platform, well, why would you put it in one place yeah. unless the bag you're getting is fantastic? And then you look in Jap- you look at Japan, as we've mentioned before, and they have multiple streaming services there that have with almost the same stuff. all of the same content. You can get the same shows on almost every content. They don't, they do not, com- with, the, with the exception of Netflix and Amazon, they do not compete based on exclusivity and content. They based on features. And like, I just like, why do we have to have this whole consolidation issue here when there could be more content sharing among all the services and they can compete based on other merits? It's just, like, I, yeah. it's like we're, we're just well, approaching it's... it completely in a completely incorrect way. I would argue, you know, I don't think you're wrong there. I think there's a lot of value in saying uh, everything has everything. And then you pick the ones that are doing that in the way that you like. Um, it's like I said, it's just it's complete odds with the institutional inertia behind the syndication model, particularly in North America, yeah. where it's like the whole idea was is a T, you know, this thing's on this network and then it goes back to the production company and then that production company can then put it into syndication packages and those will be on specific markets and each market is another little bit of money that this gets syndicated to and then we'll do the same things for putting things overseas in that way and we'll get syndication and like that'll get, and you know what we might even if our overseas syndication might put us into the black first versus the US stuff so we're already happy and everything else over that is just gravy and royalty and it's a good thing because we do actually have royalties to pay because we actually have proper unions and so on and so forth. That's all That's all well and good, but it creates a lot of incentive for saying this thing is in this spot at this time, available in this way, and only there. <laughs> it ties back to the first thing we were talking about, how you look at Crave. They don't have exclusivity on Sailor Moon, but they, they just deliver it in a completely different way to a different audience in a different kind of almost almost different cultural context. Uh, and it, yeah. it just I think it's a great example of how you don't need to have exclusivity of content to, to compete and how yeah. you know, there could be a lot more balance here without having to well, and there's, get, and get, then, get into this whole monopolization idea. Well, and that it leaves and it also leaves audience. It's also it leaves money and audience on the table. Yeah. It's like, cool. Banania is on Tubby. Banania is on Crunchyroll. Neither of those would be as valuable as Banania in the preschool menu on Crave or with, some with other the, service. With the, with the dub narrated. Yeah, I was just going to say, be, too, yeah. especially with the dub. Like, yeah. that would be especially, like, accessible. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Good example. And, yeah, and, 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 you know, if that made Mike, Mike Tool an overnight celebrity with his, <laughs> his smooth, dulcet tones, so be it. Um, but it's, you know, it needs to be in a place where people can actually discover it. Um, monopolizations always make me feel just a little uneasy, but I just want mm-hmm. things to be more accessible for more people. I want more things to be easier to access. I want mm-hmm. prices to be cheap and low. I, I just, I want shit to be more accessible, period. I, I'm not even like, 
as a big disability advocacy person, especially through like online and on Twitter, who I, when I tend to do a lot of my advocacy for disability rights, uh, I just want more accessibility. I want more ease of access. I want more things to be shown and more different streaming services. Honestly, uh, you had the right idea with the like. You had a great idea with the idea of Benanya being accessible through like a preschool, like uh, like a preschool section through something like Crave. That's a brilliant idea. Like especially well, this... especially if it's with the dub. Like that would. That, yeah. No. That's, no. Of course. Of course, with the dub because there's so much dub content that's meant for a younger audience that currently just sort of sits on a niche platform, and people will yeah. appreciate that. People might bring. You know, otaku parents will bring their kids to it, but like, I mean, it's interesting because there was a little bit of buzz in the past couple of weeks about how much anime ran on Nick and how many people don't realize their first yeah. anime experiences were on Nickelodeon. Yeah. Watching Hell, Newsles, watching, uh, it could have been something like Maya the Bee, like. Exactly. Or there was, there was one that was an even deeper cut than that it was, uh, Maple Town. Oh yeah, and you're like, and you're like, not only is that like somebody's first anime experiences, that's somebody's first Ikuhara. Yep, that's wild. Or, uh, <laughs> but you that's might the, be but, one but, of those rare people to experience some of the first Osamu uh, Dezaki anime from mm-hmm. like the the Frosty the Snowman cartoon or something like that. Oh yeah, it's like <laughs> yes, the same man who directed Golgol Thirteen and in the beginning Bible stories. Like, yes, those two. Are a good comparison in between each other. Uh, yeah, yes. he did. He did like key Sorry, animation Sorry. on those, right? Yep. Uh, he directed yeah. Google Thirteen, and he also directed uh, in the beginning Bible stories. Yeah, yeah. He's, he so, directed um, both of those, like yeah. so are so contrasting in, with in between each other. Like one yeah. features hardcore sex, guns, people being shot in the face, and the other one is about you know Bible stories. <laughs> to be fair, it is the Bible that could get pretty wild too. Yeah, it can. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's definitely there's definitely an aspect here of. Um, these things, you know, don't have to be hidden away in specialty services. Agreed. It's better than no access at all, but there's so much value, especially for these things that, you know, were broad market when they were in their, in their home culture. Put them in the same spot because we know from literally the last 50 years of bringing anime over to North America and bringing it to different places in the world, you put it up where regular folks can access it, not super fans. Regular folks enjoy it too. They may never embrace it in quite the same way. They might embrace it in that way, but you got to give them the opportunity. And as the idea of a broad swath of stuff being thrown at people through a linear package or through over-the-air television uh, fades, particularly in Canada, America at least has wild over-the-air options now um, with the digital subchannels, Crave's respons- almost responsibility, frankly, is to then say – what are these different things that could be, one, increasing the value of our platform, but the reason it's increasing the value of our platform is it's giving people more and more interesting and diverse stuff to engage with that they, you know, maybe they can get somewhere else, but they're not going to, but they will get it if we put it in front of them, which we can. Um, that's their, that's their, that's what they need to do. And I mean, it's the kind of thing that, um, regardless of who ends up buying who in other countries, Crave can then operate inside that framework of who has the stuff that um, is going to create that kind of buzz. 
whether that's out of nostalgia or whether that's out of like something that's newer, but fits its targets. It fits in, it fits in that lane and it isn't being, um, only algorithmically given to just the people who care about it. All right. Uh, so before we wrap up, I was, I was gonna ask, uh, what you guys have all been watching, but, uh, I already have more than enough to edit at this point. Um, you may recall uh, a couple of episodes ago in our pretty on my pretty cure retrospective, I asked if people could uh, write in uh, and share some of their experiences with Pretty Cure, uh, the are the Blue Water Pretty Cure dub on YTV. This was a subject I was not expecting to be very big, because uh, you know the Pretty Cure dub has always been kind of seen as a bit of a failure on YTV, and I was extremely wrong uh, because not only was that an ex- very popular episode with a lot of engaging a lot of people. Uh, I saw so many people coming out of the woodwork saying how important Pretty Cure was to them on uh, on YTV. And when I uh, I asked people to write in with their experiences, um, I got actual multiple responses from people, which is a first for this show, um, nice. <laughs> which is uh, surprising. And I'm just gonna uh, quickly read uh, uh, just a couple of the, the emails I got here. Uh, one was from Geo. Uh, he said, Hi, Jesse. My name is Geo Petty. Uh, I'm a video archivist radio podcaster from Ottawa. I absolutely love Canadian television and anime, uh, of course. Uh, so your podcast is a match made in heaven. I I heard your podcast on Pretty Cure, and I thought I'd share my Pretty Cure story as requested. Uh, I have very vivid memory, memories of watching the show around 2009 before uh, 2010 came and to- Toy Story 3 blew my mind. Uh, I remember it was something I never really planned to watch, but always stuck around for when it did come on. I specifically remember watching the episode The Birthday Heist when Hannah is stuck in a jewelry store uh, with Pijard and a set of robbers. I remember the story the robber told about his life of crime and how Hannah convinced him uh, not to turn to crime really compelled me. Just like most other YTV shows from around that same time, like Jacob Tutu and Monster by Mistake, it kind of stayed at the back of my head. But then in 2018, uh, I was on this really weird nostalgia kick for older YTV programs, um, and that kick started embarrassingly uh, by Monster by Mistake. Uh, I stumbled upon Hamtaro, again, another show I watched oh, at a young Hamtaro. age, but completely forgot about. Yeah, Hamtaro. Um, then the Deke Sailor Moon, uh, never watched, but immediately fell in love with. Uh, embarrassingly, now I own every episode of VHS. Very impressive if you have, uh, as an aside, uh, impressive if you had all of the Deke Sailor Moon on VHS, because uh, it's hard to find an official release of any kind uh, for that right now. Um, and then finally to Pretty Cure. Upon watching it, it instantly became my favorite. I don't know what it is, but there's something about the feel of the show that just hits differently than anything else I've watched. Maybe it's the brilliant voice acting, maybe the music, maybe the eye-catching visuals, but I just love it. Hamtaro, Pretty Cure, and Love Live uh, happen to be my three all-time favorites. Love them so much. Also, to answer your questions on the ending theme, uh, from what I can gather, the dub of Pretty Cure was done in two batches, two seasons to be exact, and I assume that they didn't realize they had to dub the song for an actual episode until they got there. A similar thing happens in the Italian dub for the series. Uh, in the ED used in those episodes, I believe the song mixes from the visual, uh, mixes with the visuals on the screen. Uh, so, like in the part where ha- Hannah is marching uh, with her grandmother and Chitaro, a song specifically mentions them. Another instance is where Zakena appears, the singer says something about Grande Mons- uh, Mostro, um, in the actual episode where they have to sing it, the song is completely different to the ED. Uh, I'm currently also trying to edit a full English version of the ED. I've also included kind of a rough uh, 
I've also included kind of a rough cobbled together choir version that you can hear in the English dub. Uh, anyways, I'm sorry for such a long email, but I absolutely love the show. I can't wait to hear more. Um, okay, and one from uh, Cure Crystal. Uh, the Ocean dub of Pretty Cure is actually how I started with the franchise in the first place. Uh, I remember hearing it every Saturday when it first aired, and I had a good time. I got invested with the franchise, with which uh, leads me to my favorite season, Heart Catch Precure. Uh, and it also leads me to become a hardcore fan of the franchise, and since then I connected Precure to other Magical Girl anime. Because of the dub, I love this dub so much, and I'm sad they didn't do Max Heart. I am also sad that they didn't do Max Heart. I uh, really wish they had uh, gotten to dub that portion. Um, man, it's pretty sure is like one of the greatest misses probably in the past 20 years in terms uh, of something that would have been just like if for Canada, if if not for the all of North America, certainly for Canada alone would have been, again, as we said, everyone was prepped by Sailor Moon. People were ready for this. Yeah, like I mean, like I said in the Pretty Cure retrospective episode, I it would be I would just love it so much if Toei, if they could even just get the two principal actors from uh that uh, that Blue Water Pretty Cure dub back and get them back as Hannah and Natalie, even if it's just those two, and dub Max Hart, I that would be so cool. I would uh, I would be all over that. It would be a, a dub a crave very, original. Yeah, a crave original. <laughs> Um, yeah think big <laughs> yeah th- yeah uh and uh also one final email from lisa uh, if it wasn't for this pretty cure dub i don't think i ever would have uh, discovered Precure as a whole i was 12 at the time and randomly came across the opening for the dub on youtube i decided to watch it and became really interested and sure enough i found all, f- all 49 episodes uploaded onto youtube i've rewatched the dub multiple times and it really uh, meant a lot to me. I love the show so much. As soon as I uh, learned about the other seasons, I made it my goal to watch every single one. Here I am six years later, still a big Precure fangirl. Uh, the dub changed my life and introduced me to what is now one of my favorite franchises. I know this probably isn't Aww. the most exciting story, but I just love uh, I just hope anyone who might read this will know how much Precure means to me. Aww. It makes me sad to know that none of the other dubs have been able to live up to the original, but I'm hoping someday we'll get one that's just as good, if not better, than this one. So, here I'm. I was so thanks everyone who reached out. Uh, I'm I, I'm really touched by how much the Precure dub uh, meant to people. I I, I got to say, like I think I I mentioned in that episode, I didn't originally even intend on doing a Precure retrospective, um, and I'm glad I did because it has been one of the most eye-opening ones for me for sure. And it shows how just it, because a show is perceived as a failure, it doesn't mean that it didn't have a massive impact. And it seems that the show it, did have a surprisingly big impact, even if it I mean, you know, you didn't know, really do that well on, on YTV. Maybe it's the next thing that should be on, you know? I wasn't I wasn't kidding. It might make sense to put things like that on Crave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's all hope that Toei uh, makes a sensible decision for once. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're asking for a lot there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thanks everyone for writing in about Pretty Cure. Uh, and maybe, I guess, we'll, maybe we'll try this again. Uh, if anyone has thoughts to share about finding Sailor Moon on Crave, um, possibly for the first time in many years, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, so yeah, share your, your stories, your thoughts on that, Sailor Moon on Crave. Um, email me at zonncanada at gmail.com. Uh, I'd love to, to hear your experiences and your stories. And if you want, I'll, uh, I'll read them on the podcast as well. I, I, got one other, I got one other addendum that you should throw on that. If you write in and there's anything you think would be 
the next most amazing anime for Crave to pick up, tell us. Because yes. it, we'd love to know how wrong or right we are. And we'd like, I, I, the more, if you come up with something we didn't even consider that's genius, we'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear that as well. If you got input on either of those things, again, just uh, email me, zonincanada at gmail.com. Love to read your stuff on the air. Okay, well, I think it's just about time to wrap up. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, guys. Uh, and I just hope if you can just sh- share with everyone where people can find you on social media. Kyle, uh, where can uh, where can folks find you on, on, on the internet or social media? I am available on uh, Twitter and Instagram as ChibiUFO. You can find me posting about old obscure video games. Uh, you can talk. You find me talking about queer stuff. You can find me talking about horror, disability advocacy, social justice, and that regards. Uh, as always, uh, Carl R. Olson on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc. K R L R O L S O N. Um, you know, and of course, music's up at ultraclastron.com. Uh, last thing I did was actually somebody chopped up a Symphogear song into a, uh, rap track and I rapped over that with just generic otaku garbage bars and it was fun times. So, uh, you know, I might be doing more of that because, uh, yeah, gotta do something right now. And, uh, yeah, on Twitter, I just mostly, uh, post like, uh, annoying garbage. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's not it's not near it's not nearly so rewarding as following. You know, it's it's the it's the the weird trivial stuff, uh, the stuff that seems kind of it's obsessing over the weird trivial pointless things or committing ourselves to those that I think are getting us through um, the era we it live in. It is keeping right now. me so, sane. Um, yeah. I, there, there was a point when I was worried I was hyper fixating on all this Sailor Moon on Crave stuff, and I I think there are definitely worse things I could be hyper fixating on right now. So. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all every, good. Every, everyone definitely. needs a breather. <laughs> Most definitely. All right. And thanks for tuning into Zon in Canada. You can reach me on Twitter at jbetteridge or email zonincanada at gmail.com. The theme song is by Ultraclystron and can be found on his album Packet Flood. And you can find that at ultraclystron.com. Uh, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcast app of choice is. Um, and hey, if you... Uh, Appreciate what I do on this show. I do have a coffee account, ko-fi.com slash Canada. Uh, it does cost me money to keep the show running uh, and available on uh, on different podcast platforms. So if you want to you know, chip in a little money, uh, every little bit helps. Um, so if you like what I do, just uh, you know, check out that page. Uh, and yeah, thanks for tuning in. See you again.